All right. Good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman. And as always with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS. This is awesome. A PlayStation podcast. This is episode 260. This show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. But before we get on with the show, I want to invite each and every one of you to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. YouTube.com slash PS. This is awesome. Awesome. If you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PlayStation Network, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at jakesaw01. And as always, you can write our show. We have a Gmail account, so we're going old school. P.S. This is awesome at gmail.com. And most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends, leave comments, rate our podcast as you see fit, and help us get into that algorithm so everybody can enjoy this show like you are today. And as a reminder, we're a video podcast, so you can watch our show if you prefer on the YouTube channel. And for new and or long-time listeners, we have a Patreon. You can support us for $1 a month. The level's called the one and only $1 Club. So you can go to patreon.com slash awesome. You can become a $1 patron of our show. We'll give you a free shout-out on the podcast. And uh, we'll also send you one of these awesome stickers. So you'll get one of those in the mail like a regular human being and the way the things were at one point in the world where we used mail. So that's kind of cool. You get something you can hang on to for $1 a month. So we appreciate you. And uh, with that out of the way, Jake... What the hell's going on today? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I don't understand how. So the the printer, meaning using your computer to print out papers, has been around for literally 50 years. And still, to this day... It's one of the most unreliable pieces of fucking technology on the planet. <laughs> there is a reason why Office Space, the movie, made such a big scene about how they go take the copier out to the fucking field and smash it with baseball Destroy bats. It. Yeah. It's because for whatever reason, there might be something about like mechanically how they work or or maybe something to do with how the the software works, how it formats the document to send it to the printer. I don't know. But to this day, I have trouble getting shit to fucking print out of printers. And it drives me absolutely apeshit. Yeah. And even like we have really expensive printers at work. Mm-hmm. And all the time I have to like delete it from my computer and re-add it. And oh, now it. it'll accept it and like all this fucking shit. And it's like – I honestly wonder if there's like collusion between IT departments and printer companies to like make them fucking useless. That way the IT departments have something to do all day long. They can both stay relevant. Yeah. Yeah, it's Basically, weird. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it makes me so mad. All I want to do is print out my fucking registration forms for my vehicles. Sure. But I can't because my printer doesn't fucking work. It keeps saying that there's another computer talking to it. No other computer in my house is connected to the printer. What the fuck does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> fuck printers. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you this. Something – we don't even have a printer at our house. And I print so very – it seems archaic to work that way. But first off, if I'm going to spend money on a printer – 
I'm going to make sure I have a printer that's going to do everything that I would ever want it to do because I don't want something that's just going to print paper because like I do board gaming and stuff. So if I'm going to get and I want if I ever need to like print off lyric sheets for an album or something, I want something fucking high quality, right? Something that can run that kind of shit. So if I get a printer, I'm going all in. But so what I do is my folks are still both very much alive and they, they don't live far from me. So. In situations like yours, it's hilarious because they their computers are just shitty at my parents' house, right? Like my dad's desktop has like a thousand, you know, thumbnails on it, like in like shortcuts. And I don't know what's what. He doesn't – he has like four external hard drives. I tried to set him up with the different hard drives so that he can uh, – Organize his photos and his blah, 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 blah. But every time I go over there, his computer runs slower than probably a PlayStation 1. And uh, it's a new computer. It's a newer, but it just runs like garbage. Like, I, you know, it's just – it sucks. My mom has this laptop and uh, hers actually runs half decent. But it's just like every every Christmas we're like, should we get that a new computer? And it's like, no, she's just going to fucking ruin it. Like if anything, just get him a Mac and show him how to use a Mac because then you can't like ruin that. But his computers are always so slow and, and he's not not computer literate. He's just of a different era, right? So the problem is is I have to use their printer once in a while to print off like my registration shit or, or if it's something like for taxes or something, I got to print off like I send you guys those 1099s. Sometimes I go over there to print. And the funniest thing in the world is – is I always have trouble, like you're saying. If I if I we've if we've ever owned a printer, it's been an issue. Printers at work are always issues. Um, not only, you know, I always have these weird requirements for printers. Like I don't I don't want a border sometimes on my pages. Like in in a lot of printers can't do borderless printing, and it's like why the fuck not? Just change the way that it feeds the paper through. Like it should know how to do this, but you can't do it on some. But uh, I've always had issues with the printers I've owned. But every single time I go to my parents' house, they have well, – I don't know what kind of printer it is, but it, but it is open to accepting jobs via the, the, the their internet connection wirelessly. I'll have my, my shit on my iPhone. I literally walk in. I click print and their printer in, always comes up and I just say select printer and I click print on my phone perfect every time. And I have no idea what is going on there, but it works. So I don't know if I can credit the iPhone or if I can credit their their network at their house. Something is perfect with my phone and the connection to their printer wirelessly. Never once had an issue. Um, just buy the same printer that they have. It's or it's old. It's old. Like I don't understand. Like it's really old. It's an old printer, but it just works perfectly. So um, with a not wired connection. Now, what's interesting is is I believe they have problems printing once in a while with like the wired connection, which is so fucking. You're right. They're they're so screwy. Printers suck. Um, I don't like them, but that's my printer story for you. But uh, outside of that, you doing all right? I'm sorry you can't get what you need printed. Uh, yeah, yeah, fine. Just, I don't know, adulting. Dude, every Black Friday, I look for printers. And then like you find like a really good deal on a printer. And then, and then not only do the reviews of the printer review the printer, but they also review the ink that's, that's required, right? So then you go into this deep, dark dive down like – you know, oh, you know, these ones have the refillable cartridges. These ones have the eco-friendly inks. These ones have this. These ones have each color separated. This one just comes in one big fucking box. And it's just like that's where they get you. And then some have subscription programs now for the ink that like uh, it's free refills or something for like the first year. And it's just like 
but the printer's like 20 bucks and then you find out like after that year's over like the ink's gonna cost like you know 150 dollars to replace and it's just like i'm not getting involved in this world like i'm just gonna keep i don't know printing wirelessly at my parents for as long as I can. You're just going to keep being a child is what you're saying. Yeah. Go to mom and dad's well, house. Well, the thing is they appreciate, they appreciate the visit. You know, they do. They come to our concerts from time to time. Most of the time they're, they're showing up at concerts. But they do like me to pop by. So um, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If you're not spending a good amount of money on a proper laser printer, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter what printer you buy. I'm just count- telling you right now. It literally doesn't matter if you spend – $30 on a printer or you spend $200 on a printer. It doesn't fucking matter. Everything, anything less than like a proper, like good commercial grade laser printer is going to be equally as fucking garbage. Yeah. The only thing, like you said, the only thing that you really have to look at, look at is, you know, how much is the ink going to cost? Mm-hmm. But in, in my experience, it seems like, uh, it all fucking costs. A lot, so it doesn't really matter. Really, what you want to look at is less how much the ink costs, it, more so how much the ink, how long the ink ink lasts. Right. Because, like, you know, an ink cartridge for a Canon printer versus a fucking Lexmark or whatever. I mean, they're both going to be like forty dollars for an ink cartridge. Jesus. Yeah. It's but if the, but if the Lexmark lasts, you know, twice as long, then I guess it really doesn't matter. I don't know. It, printers are just absolutely stupid we can stop talking about them yeah yeah well we we are going to talk about video games but um i there's not a whole lot going on in my world but i I have a fun story for you because 3d printing comes up a lot on the podcast we have listeners who are interested in it and before we get into playstation talk i just want to show real quick i'm going to give a little bit so this game back here it's been in almost every video this is cursed city this is the warhammer game um, let's go to Warhammer Quest Cursed City. And a lot of the minis, those those who are watching the podcast will be able to see, like, this is a 3D printed, like, little gargoyle guy I made. Like, a you know, pretty cool. It's kind of blurry. But um, long story short, like, when I have my first Cursed City game, when I have the first one, every single mini is going to be painted to perfection. Uh, it's going to be a bit of an expose, a... Uh, you know, I really want to build out the setting a little bit. So, for instance, I have uh, these are some three D just just for like flair because it it all takes base. Uh, this this whole game takes place on like um, essentially a town called Alfenkarn in which va- uh, a vampire has taken over, and uh, the citizens and the denizens of the city have to pay a blood tithe any time they do something wrong, and they have these little places set up where they get bled out. For a little bit, it's like their punishment. So the vampires of the city can just use it and drink it at their own leisure. So it's a real messed up place. It used to be a place of, of uh, a lot of pride, but it got taken over by vampires. So you're this gangly group of dudes and, and women and, and fighters and warriors and ogres. And there's actually one character who's, who's a guy you can play. He's a corpse eater. He eats, he eats dead people. That's what he eats. But he's this big Brutus, like kind of fucking big guy with a big maul, and he's he's a badass. Um, they all come together for their own personal reasons to retake the city, right? There's like a wizard who like needs to like do his studies there for whatever reason. There's like some sort of power draw there that he needs. He needs to be there, but there's a curfew, and you're not allowed to go out. So the idea of this game, it's a co-op game, is that all of your people 
are running through the streets and the alleys and you're going through and you're taking out the, the undead and you're, and you're going on these headhunter missions and you're trying to find some of these uh, lieutenants of the main vampire and take them out. And then it, it leads to like this ultimate battle, right? Which is actually really cool. And the gaming mechanics is really cool. But what I've seen on Reddit is like a lot of people – because the, the it isn't a board, it's a bunch of little intersecting cardboard pieces that create the map on each one. And a lot of people put like a lot of flair in between, right? So I found these little guys here. You probably can't see them very well, but it's like two dudes like staked up on a steak and it looks like they're getting burnt to a crisp. So like these little – it's kind of gross, but like these little setting things um, and then – this is going to be the big one. This is going to be the centerpiece. I've been 3 printing this on my resin printer, and it's a, it's going to be a, a broken-down cathedral. And this is the top of the bell tower, and it's, it's going to be fucking dope. And it's going to be on the table, and it's just going to help paint setting, right? But when you have all this shit in place, my goal is to have such a fun time that everyone that I invite will want to come back for the next one because oftentimes with these, you don't get to play the whole fucking thing through. People get bored. You don't never just – Anyways, I'm going to put all the time in on the front end, make it really fun, make the expose really good, and then hopefully we can keep the game going. But my story is is that resin bottles cost for like a, a kilogram, so a thousand – I think a thousand milligrams is a kilogram. So a, a kilogram of, of resin bottles is about yay big, and uh, it's about 35 – A thousand milligrams is a gram. Well, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But but it's 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 a thousand of something and one of something else, but it's it's not a huge bottle – but it's like $35 for a bottle of this resin. So as you can imagine, like I printed this little vampire guy, right? Real tiny. Uh, doesn't cost a lot of money to print that. But when you're printing, this is like the roof to something. This shit can cost a lot of money to do at home. So the difference is, is I have a resin printer, which is like all about these tiny things. I have no way to print this cathedral well, right? But I do have a friend and he has an he has a filament-based printer, and the spools of filament are only 15 bucks a piece, and they go forever. And uh, I was like, hey, I have the files. Can you print the cathedral for me, like the big body of the thing? I'll, I'll finish up the bell tower. You do the rest. It won't be as high quality, but it'll still be good enough. Paint it up. And uh, the story is is that he tried it, and uh, it's turning out really good. So he's really excited about it. Um, I don't know if you know Ben or not, but Ben's printing it, and uh, – He's uh, he's been keeping me in touch, and the cool thing about those filament printers is whatever he has an Ender. I don't know what version he has, but it has a time lapse camera built into it, so that you can monitor the progress from like an app to make sure. Because like if those things fail print, like because it, it what it does is it lays down hot plastic, and it builds upward instead of reductive. Like where where mine is, it pulls it out of the goop. This throws the goop down. That's why it's less not as detailed because you're adding instead of subtracting. So. Um, but the print I asked him to do, I didn't realize how long it was going to take. And if I would have done it, I would have had to have like piecemealed it into segments like this on my build plate. Like this is like one wall for my bell tower. And then they come together and it forms like a thing. He can print it, the room all at once. Um, and I didn't realize that. So he sends me a picture and he goes, well, we'll know in 23 hours. I'm like, What? He's like, yeah, it's a 23-hour print for this room that I want. And I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. I, like, It takes three hours for me to print something here. I had no idea it was going to take that long. And he goes, oh, dude. He goes, it'll be fine as long as it doesn't fail because if it fails, it doesn't know that it fails and you're sleeping or something and it's just still just laying this goop down so things don't stack right. It just creates this ball of nasty plastic. It's really hard to clean up. Um, good news is 
uh, success for the first room. So, but the but where I was going, to, it has a time lapse so that if you're out out of the house or whatever, um, you can just check your app and make sure. And it's a really cool just progress shots throughout the twenty plus hour print just to make sure something is good. And then you can remote just turn it off um, if it's not doing what's supposed to be doing. Um, really interesting three D printing, and uh, it makes me actually want to get. A filament printer also, and make some practical shit, some bigger things. There were these uh, Witcher bookends um, that I wanted to print, and I uh, just can't do it on my printer. But with a filament printer, I could. Anyways, that's my story. Uh, I'm so excited about the progress I'm making on this game. One of my land uh, only has three more songs left. I did a song on Friday. Vocals. My voice died uh, that night, and it's coming back. So I may try to do another one this evening, but I doubt it because we're doing birthday stuff. Um, my wife's birthday was yesterday. We hung out um, for most of the day. Then she had a girl party, all of her friends from – I don't know. She keeps in touch with all of her elementary school friends, and she's been in touch with them forever. Um, and they have this weird – packed of girls that just hang out all the time and they all came over so i retreated and just left the house for a bit yesterday so they could do their thing um but yeah so uh we're gonna be hanging out today later but i will try to get more than one of my land stuff done but that out of the way for those who don't know one of my lands a punk rock band i play and we have two records on spotify itunes or whatever if you guys want to check it out it's on there um but uh how about we, Jake, talk about PlayStation, the real reason that we're here today. And I, I'm sorry I got kind of excited about the 3D printing thing. I'm just really jazzed about it. Um, so, Jake, games that we're playing, I have been – you know, like sometimes you feel the pendulum swinging back in your favor, like in life. Like sometimes like you're you're down, you, you know, you feel like you're knocked down a little bit, like you're not making progress. I was spinning my wheels for so long. I don't know if it was seasonal depression or what it was. But I'm feeling the pendulum swing in my favor again, and, I, and I, I'm getting more motivation. I'm back on a better diet. I'm just feeling better about life. Um, I beat Guardians of the Galaxy, and then I downloaded and beat Deliver Us the Moon, which is that game. And the reason I picked that game was because it was like six hours to beat, but done well. Um, I can't remember who the developer was, but the sequel – just got a new trailer. It's called Deliver Us Mars, and that comes out February 23rd. Deliver Us the Moon, um, the story goes like this. We've heard this story before, but it, there's a slight variant to it. Um, Earth is essentially out of resources. They send a way to somehow not colonize the moon, but mine for this resource that produces energy at earth so they send a group of people out there and to keep this link going it's like a satellite relay that relays this energy to earth um long story short the stuff quits coming to earth and as a result they can't keep the energy of earth going so the, there's a massive power outages Dust storms, sandstorms take over Earth, and essentially humanity gives up and everybody's living in bunkers. And they don't have enough energy to even reach out to the people on the moon, so they have no idea what the hell happened on the moon. They just know that the signal quit coming. So there's like this weird rogue faction that decided to like take over and like smart people trained to send one more person to the moon to reestablish this link and save humans. So you are that person. You go on this spaceship, and it's kind of cool because it's it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle game, but it's also like story driven. 
um, you get on the spaceship and then you kind of have to do the sequence and stuff. And then you launch into outer space and there's some like zero G moments that are like, well, this is fucking rad and dope. And then you – there's some oxygen. There's like a mini oxygen chamber. got to make sure like some areas before you get airlocked, you can run out of oxygen. You're trying to solve puzzles and your oxygen meter is going down. And you're trying to figure out the puzzle before you die. It's a really cool game. Ultimately, it was a nice playthrough. And uh, there aren't really enemies per se. You just kind of learn the story of what happened to the people that were on the moon and why the energy quit coming to Earth. And it's your job then to get these relay towers and stuff back on track and get the signal back, send this, the resources back to Earth, hoping that there's still people down there that can use that energy and get, get Earth back on a better trajectory. And uh, it's a good game. And and it was, wasn't was really – I mean I wouldn't say like it's my favorite game, but for five or six hours, it's free on PS Extra um, – PS Plus Extra, I would recommend it. In watching the new trailer that just dropped, uh, the, the the sequel comes out February 2nd, um, makes me kind of happy that I played the first one. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is cool. And now it's called Deliver Us Mars. So I don't know why they're going to Mars. But it makes me believe that the ending of the first game leaves a little bit to the imagination. Something maybe didn't occur that you might think have occurred or maybe something there's still trouble in the water um but yeah so those are the two games i played i'm not sure what i'm gonna play next um dead space comes out real soon and i'll probably just hang tight and just pick that up that comes out on the on the 27th um and we're recording this on the 22nd so probably not enough time for me to get into a new game i should probably focus on the recordings for my music and uh maybe finishing up this awesome cathedral in my spare time and then when Dead Space comes out next week, just play that. Jake, what have you been playing? Uh, so after... Uh, dude, they announced that Deliver Us Mars game fucking forever ago. That's crazy. I don't remember when it was, but I remember seeing a trailer for that and being like, oh, this looks cool. And then that, But that was like mm-hmm. a long time ago. It's um, a small studio game. It's not like, you know, AAA or anything. But I – so I played last week. I think I said that I had beaten Callisto Protocol, which was true. I put that down and then I picked up that Ch- Children of Morta game and, and it was pretty cool. But I didn't like the roguelike element aspect of it. And so I decided that it was time. I finally got around to playing Inside. Mm. Um, I downloaded that from the, the PS Plus Extra catalog. And uh, just because everybody's always talked about, you know, Limbo was a really cool game and Inside was the sequel to the team is, I believe, Play Dead. And uh, everyone talked about, like, how much better it is, how Inside is, like, such an amazing game. Yeah. So I decided to play it and it's really good. <laughs> I it's It's not really, like, the type of game that... I ordinarily would like to play anymore just because it's mostly puzzle based and all that kind of stuff. Right. But the atmosphere and the the kind of environment and everything is so so wild that it like make made me want to keep going to like like figure out what the fuck is this game? Like where is it taking me? What am I even doing in here? And all the puzzles are based around this like weird 
like facility that you know is doing all these weird experiments and shit mm-hmm. and like it have you played it no i don't think i have maybe it's, i did is this the one where you're just like a boy so you're a boy in limbo and then you're also a little boy in this one too mm. but in this one you're like the graphics are different like in limbo it was like very 2d and it was like all shadows black and gray and white and this one is like i gotta google it keep going it, it's a lot of it's a lot of black and white, but there's like you know some red and like you have a red shirt on and stuff like that. But uh, it's um it's really cool. And actually, the game I'll be honest with you, the game is almost kind of scary. Like the atmosphere is very dark. Like this is a very mature kind of game. It's weird. Like, because you're like this little boy running around, and the graphics are kind of cartoony, but like the themes and like some of the shit that happens is super dark. So, uh, I don't know, but it it was really good. So, I beat that. And then, um, and like the thing that happens at like the end, like the last few puzzles, like you, you encounter this like main event, and then you have to do these like last few puzzles and like the game kind of changes a little bit. It's just like really bananas. Yeah. Um but I the so I beat that and then I started playing Mass Effect 3. So I'm like I wanna say I think I'm like seven hours into Mass Effect 3. So I've been playing it quite a bit. Um Mass Effect and, 3, nice. Yeah, and it's it's so good. I mean, I, I'm not really far <laughs> enough to make any kind of definitive decision about it or whatever, but I honestly, at least so far, I'm personally enjoying it even more than Mass Effect 2. And just like it focuses more on the story, it focuses more on the the kind of missions and the gameplay and stuff. And it doesn't really, you're not doing a lot of this inventory stuff and this scanning shit and mining for materials, at least not yet. I'm all, I'm, but I'm like seven hours into the game. Right. I think it would probably pick up or whatever, but uh, it seems like it's focusing a lot more on like characters and story. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I picked something other than the base soldier class this time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's changed the game a little bit for me. Um, but I don't know. We need to do the Last of Us 2 spoiler cast because the Last of Us I want to kind of finish. Mass Effect 2. Sorry, Mass Effect 2 spoiler cast because I do want to kind of get this finished out. Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted to get through. I figured it's a good time. I was kind of in the mood. I'm going to play Mass Effect 3. Get it done before, uh, I th- assuming it's not like a total fucking train wreck, um, Hogwarts Legacy comes out in two or three weeks. So does VR2 so like probably. That. VR2 doesn't come out till the end of February, mm. but Hogwarts comes out. I, I think I saw it was like February 10th or something like that. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's where I'm at. Dude, that's awesome. I I've completely forgot about Mass Effect 3 and I would like to get it and beat it um just so I can delete it from my console, but yeah, maybe I mean I can't beat that in a week. There's no way. So, I, no. I don't know when to start that if I'm going to play Dead Space. Man, I don't know, play it after Dead Space. 
Yeah, maybe that's the way to do it. Because I don't know if there's anything directly coming out after Dead Space that I'm... Cause, you know, because Dead Space might take you... A week or 10 two. or 15 hours to beat. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not one of those games that you, like, want to jump... I mean, maybe you will, but it's a it's a survival horror game yeah. so for me personally every when i'm done with them i'm like okay i'm i'm done you know like i'm not going to go back and play it again right. and yeah, like yeah, all yeah. shit because it's it's a pretty stressful experience so yeah. very um, good anyway well yeah 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 very good so let's get into some listener feedback here real quick and uh not a lot on here but i i remembered that like you talked about something about child of morta maybe he mentions that in here. Oh, yeah, this is the one. So, Play by Ken writes in. Um, happy to hear uh, Play by Ken writes in. Hey, guys, still alive here because he lives out in the California area. Um, we were worried about the flooding and making sure he was all right. Um, he said that uh, they had some time off together, he and his wife. So, he's he's been, uh, you know, doing a lot of family stuff. So, essentially, a lot of rain in LA, but nothing to worry about. Um, but he said, Jake, he had the same experience with Children of Morta. He writes, I think there's a great game there somewhere, but I lose interest with the roguelike gameplay. I probably put in seven or eight hours before deciding it wasn't a game for me. He said, Fred, that unboxed PlayStation is great. It must be the smaller, slim-style PS1, right? And he said, I think they're specifically called PS1. Yeah, you are right. That's what that one is. Um, and then he also writes, I'm looking forward to watching The Last of Us HBO on HBO. Might even be able to get the wife watching it too, as she hates zombie-style stuff. But she liked watching the game. Hopefully they do it justice. Great episode again, guys. Here's to a great 23 for the show. Thanks so much, Played by Ken. Appreciate your, uh, you know, tuning in and, and patronage and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, here we are. Um, it looks like he had the same experience that you had with Children of Morta. So, I don't know. That's cool. He can relate. Uh, so nothing he is right, though. I mean, it does seem like it could be an awesome game. I just, I just don't, I don't give a shit about the roguelike stuff, yeah. and we won't jump into it because we kind of, I ran it about yeah. it last week. But. So, so jumping in, piggybacking off of what played by Ken said, I, I want to make an official announcement here on this podcast because it was kind of a last minute idea that we had. Um, Jake and I are doing a Last of Us podcast called uh, "P.S. This Is the Last of Us." Um, and what it is is a is a next day recap of our opinion on the TV series that is on HBO. Um, so it, it, I would appreciate the listeners to tune in and check that out. You know, I I saw it as a good opportunity to maybe get get what we do, the content that we do, into maybe some new eyes. And uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you're a supporter of our podcast and, and, and you're interested or following the Last of Us HBO TV series, which I at this point would recommend it. I mean, the first episode was good. Um, please go check out our YouTube channel and uh, listen to Jake and I have some commentary on on the show. And we're going to do that again. Um, we're going to release those every Monday evening. Um, the the show obviously airs Sunday nights, and uh, just because of work schedules and stuff, I'm you know it's only going to be a few weeks, you know, until that show's over. But uh, Jake and I have decided that we're going to try to turn that out every Monday with hopes of uh, giving giving everybody a little more content and also maybe getting into the uh, I guess into the into the frame for a lot of other people. So make sure you're watching that. Um, and uh, it did say that uh, that the first episode of The Last of Us um, had 4.7 million viewers when it when it streamed that night and it broke HBO a little bit my my mine was really really choppy at times and uh, 
my my initial watch and and I heard that that was happening for a lot of people and then I read somewhere that the after the fact streaming was double or something like that. So this show's going to be a runaway hit probably, but uh I do have a news point and an interesting twist here that w- that, w- that I think we need to talk about briefly. Um the the original director of the game Bruce Straley, not Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann was creative director. Uh, the director of The Last of Us was Bruce Straley. And uh, he did an interview recently and indicated that he wasn't in the credits of the TV series at all. And I'm kind of of two minds of this thing. Um, but he used this as a reason to kind of support the unionization of video games in, in studios and, you know, clearly I've never met Bruce or even – I don't even really follow the guy on Twitter or anything. But he has moved away from Naughty Dog and he started his own studio. So he's he's separated from Naughty Dog Studios. Um, his new studio is called Wildflower. So I want to chat real quick about this and just the entire concept of crediting people because I, I feel like it's weird. And I want to quote Bruce Straley real quick in, in the interview that he gave. He said that, quote, it's an argument for unionization that someone who was part of the co-creation of that world and those characters isn't getting a credit or a nickel for the work they put into it, end quote. My initial thought is when I first just read the headline, I'm like, yeah, that kind of does suck. But then thinking about it is like you were an employee of Naughty Dog when you made this fucking thing. You don't own the rights to this thing. Yeah, you were involved in the game, but you didn't go direct to TV series like Neil did. And, you know, you left Naughty Dog knowing that that was a job that you were working. I mean, we have to draw a line at some point. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times probably and and on such a smaller level that I don't get credited for times when people listen to music that I've put out and I probably should get at least a half a cent. It just... It's impossible to rope this stuff in, and I don't know if he's upset that he's not getting credit or upset that he's not getting any of the residuals. And it's it's a weird stance. I think that he should do, he does deserve credit, maybe not in the end credits of the TV show, but you know, let's not forget about Bruce and what Bruce did for the game. I mean, this game wouldn't exist as it is today without him. So there's that argument to be made also. But as far as him getting a credit on the TV series, I don't know how that works, but I would imagine that he doesn't have any rights to it at all now that he's separated from Naughty Dog. Um, His name could maybe ancillary be attached to something because he was involved in the making of a game over about 10 years ago that then got converted to a TV series that he had nothing to do with. I don't know. It just seems like a little bit of a stretch for me to include him on the on the HBO series TV credits. Jake? Um, I, I think I'm probably... <sighs> so... Here's 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 my opinion. <laughs> Bruce Traley has zero legs to stand on at all with this argument. And right. because the thing is is that the this is not the Last of Us game. It's just the IP being adapted to a show. He doesn't have any ownership or rights over the IP. Sony has all of that. The only reason Neil is credited is because he was directly involved in the show. Not just the game. He was directly involved in the fucking show. Yeah, he went and helped direct. So, and 
uh, Bruce was Bruce Straley was credited on the game as he should have been. He was a major part of that game being successful, but he had no no. Now maybe maybe he was fucking involved in the TV show, and if that's the case, then yes, he should be credited. But I don't think he was involved at all, and so he wasn't as far as I understand. And his argument again is about unionization in the game world. I feel like there's a disconnect between games and TV shows here. It's well, all that's a, pro- a Sony that's a property. Problem. That's the problem is that they're not the same. It's not the same product. Exactly. If like in my opinion, what he's saying is that if if Neil or sorry, if Bruce Straley should be credited on the Last of Us TV show, then literally every single fucking person that was, that was credited on the video game should also be credited on the TV show. That makes no sense at all right because like they had no like think about i I mean maybe maybe we need to look at movies and like and stuff to see you know if uh if uh uh like a, a tv adaptation of a movie happens for example like let's say ash versus the evil dead mm. right is a TV adaptation of a an old movie franchise, The Evil Dead. Obviously, guys like Bruce Campbell and stuff are credited because they're in the fucking TV show. But I don't know that the TV show, I don't think that they have to literally credit every single fucking person that worked on the movie right. originally. It's just whoever is the rights holder of the movie gets to use it however they want and only the people that work on it have to be credited for it unless there is some pre-existing like arrangement or deal that says that this person who was originally the rights holder or originally the creator has to be credited on every single iteration of the work or whatever. The only reason why I brought up TV and movies is because those those markets are unionized. Right. So – if you look at that and you say, oh, well, this doesn't make sense in that area, why would it make sense in video games? I can totally understand an argument for unionization in games 100%. and making sure that people that get credited when they work on it. Because some some studios have a really, really fucking harsh uh, policy on how you get credited in a video game. Like I think uh, Rockstar, for example, is really notorious with this. If you are not – a part of Rockstar when the game goes gold, you are not in the credits. You could have worked 500 hours on the fucking next GTA game, mm. but if you are not with the company when it goes gold, you do not get credited. That to me is kind of fucked up. But that is a far cry from what we're talking about here. We're talking about two completely different like is this kind products of similar, and like, two completely different markets. Yeah, I, it just seemed like a strange... You know, maybe he's just trying to be a trailblazer for unionization of video game studios. And the fact that he's so big on it, I also read somewhere that someone had indicated that his relationship with Naughty Dog and his relationship with Sony is quote-unquote strained. So it starts making me wonder – I'm not going to character bash Bruce or anything, but maybe he's just a difficult guy to work with, right? Maybe he's just – I know he was really burnt out after The Last of Us and all the success that they had. And everyone was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, why is Bruce leaving? That's weird. You know what I mean? Um, So it's hard to say. But I work 
in, on a personal level, my job is unionized. So I know that the pros that can come with that, and I definitely understand the cons that can come with that. Um, you know, and, and it's very difficult to work with some staff when you're fighting against a union on stuff and uh, you're trying to get somebody fired or you're trying to get somebody let go or you're arguing about some petty shit and the union is there nonstop just like, you know, hammering down. Well, no, 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 no. They're in the union. We're going to defend it. We're going to defend it. We're going to defend it. But yeah, like, but this person literally um, stole from the company. And they're like, well, let's not say steal. You know what I mean? Did they really steal? Was it intentional? You know, shit like that can happen. And then the union just seemingly blanket protects everybody um, in my experience. And that's when a union goes really, really crazy. I mean, I believe in fair wages. I believe in everybody who's an employee of a company should be protected. You should have rights as an employee. And that's where the union should be. And they should be giving you the rights. But when the union becomes – it sounds totally completely anti-union, which I'm not. But when a union becomes very, very fucking strong and thousands and thousands of people large – and they have all this fucking money, you start getting bad employees. And it's very difficult to get rid of them. And and then that hurts the services that you do or the product that you're making. So I just wonder, the unionization in as a whole is a good thing. 100% I believe in it. But I can see on the flip side how maybe why some people are apprehensive about it. Um, you know, but... I, it something needs to happen because these video game developers, from what I understand, don't always get a fair shake. Like you're saying, Jake, like you should have your name and a fucking credit in a game if you worked on that fucking game for a, a, at least a legitimate amount of time. Like it's not like you got hired for a week and you fucking developed one texture and like you're like this ain't for me. Like you shouldn't expect to get credited for anything. But I think it's up to the studios. But the interesting thing here that Bruce is doing is almost as if the creator of the Seymour Duncan um, humbucker should be put in every album credit that that humbucker is used on on a guitar, you know, and be like, well, I created a humbucker, so this wouldn't exist in this way had I not made this tool that they ran with and made this album on. So I deserve kickback from every record sale that my humbucker was used on. Like, it just seems like a stretch. It seems ridiculous to me. Um, and I'm not trying to yeah, take anything away from Bruce, though. Like, like there, I, no, yeah, I think, I think honestly, I think a lot of this boils down to him just having some sort of personal ownership over The Last of Us. Yeah. He put blood, sweat, and tears into that game, just oh, like everybody course. else that worked on it. And so he probably is – it's a little bit too close to him. And so whenever he makes this argument, it's just like, well, I'm a lot of the reason why that game is successful. Mm. I should have some sort of – I don't – I mean I don't even know if it's necessarily about the kickback so much as it's about the the crediting of the thing. But it's – Well, he did bring up – he did bring up money in his quote. He did, he did, which I think is sort of, you know, adds a little bit of a smudge on his argument because it's just <laughs> like, are you just trying to get paid for this? Because if that's the case, then okay, you know, fucking sue them. Right. But if you're, you know, if you're actually trying to be an activist and make a deal for unions or whatever, you got to make a better argument than this because it, it, it did, to me, 
Now, granted, I don't know all the ins and outs. I haven't looked at all the nuts and bolts yeah, of it, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it seems it seems like a nonsensical argument to me. But then again, we're at a point in time where fucking video game and movie credits like if you go to a movie and you sit through the credits it's literally 20 minutes long yeah because they credit like the fucking finance guy that works on the the taxes for the the dude that painted the fucking doorway in this one scene like (laughs) to me that's insane all right and i'm not saying that that person isn't that person is not uh valuable to the creation of the product right but at the same time, it's like maybe we need to have like, uh, you know, I don't know, like a split. Like these are the people that were creatively responsible for this thing happening. And then here's a second list of credits that's like everyone that's name is attached to this product, period. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know that it's a really it's a really complicated scenario and like how do you do it or whatever. But it's. You know, if if you've ever gone to a movie and you've ever complained about how fucking long the credits are because you want to see the little snippet after the credits in all these fucking Avengers movies, this is why. It's because of all of these rules, and, I, and I'm not saying that this is wrong. I'm just saying that like in movies, because of all the unionization and the rules and the logic and everything like that, literally every single person that even like farted near this movie has to be credited for it like the like this and the, like so, the town the town mayor that allowed them to film the one shot in the local cafe is like yeah, yeah you yeah. can't do it unless i'm in the credits i want to see my name on this movie somewhere i'll let it yeah happen. so I, I don't know <laughs> we're being we're being a little bit negative on it but the thing is the the point of the matter is that in certain in certain situations i do believe that there needs to be if not unionization at least some sort of like rules like like industry-wide rules that are in place about how people are credited um even something along the lines of like you know what is considered crunch yeah let's say um and i'm not saying that i'm not one of these people that thinks that that you know you should you should uh, expect to work a 40-hour week every week for your entire life if you're going to work in a creative field. I don't work in a creative field, and I never work a 40-hour week. And am I – would I be happier if I did? Sure, but a lot of times I work more than that because I want to. I, I want to – I have pride in what I'm doing, and I want to get stuff done. And now I guess maybe that there's a there is a a bit of a disconnect there. You know, the people like if you're in a job where you don't want to work at all and you don't want to work at that job, I can understand being like, I should only have to work 40 hours because my life will be better because of it. Right. But if you're getting like, let's say you have to work 50 hours a week and you're putting that time in, but you're compensated fairly because even though you are working that extra time, then it shouldn't matter. Like, you know, if, if you're – I think that the thing that a lot of people forget about these, you know, quote-unquote – this quote-unquote crunch culture is if you think about something like Naughty Dog, for example, the last few months of one of their games, they're they're crunching. They're working a lot of long hours and they're doing what they got to do to get the product out the door. But the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that at the end of the year, all those people get huge fucking bonuses – and on top of that, after the game launches, they all literally take like a month off. 
Like the studio fucking closes and they just don't work for like three to four weeks. So it's not like it's, you know, necessarily I will admit there is a health there is a health aspect of it. Oh, for sure. As long as as long as like these companies aren't forcing people to work them stress themselves into a hospital bed, then you know, and I'm not even saying that they should be forced to work those hours, but there's all often this thing where it's like people are it's it's a <laughs> We we should move on. We could talk about this for literally fucking air. I, I don't want. It's talk a nice about conversation anymore. piece. That's fine. I think you got your point across. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's. Well, I think the point is that it's kind of complex, but it doesn't really a hundred percent need to be if there are just some rules in place and some guidelines to follow that everyone can just agree on. Um, if if it, like basically what it boils down to, if employees just showed a little bit more pride and effort, and if employers just cared a little bit less about money, right? Showed a little more I respect. Think that, I, I, yeah, I think that none of this would be a problem. Yeah, very well said. So well said. Um, moving forward, let's get to the an, uh, another news point. This is this is kind of interesting. And jeez, um, my pen's not right in here. Sorry about that. Um, the dual sense. This is Sony does some weird shit. So it's probably only a matter of time until these uh, super rare dual sense controllers hit the black market, like eBay or whatever. But Sony apparently sent some employees a very rare exclusive dual sense controller that looks like the regular standard white controller but on the grips where your palms would go it has printed um all these kind of colorful playstation buttons like the square triangle cross circle and they're all kind of linked together and they're they're full color and they look kind of it looks kind of snazzy and then also on the controller it says play has no limits um this is a super rare controller um but this got me thinking that, like, man, it would be really cool if you could just custom request controller skins from placed some from Sony, and they could just print them off. Clearly, they have the ability to do this, and then they just send them in for a premium, for a higher price, right? Because, like, you know, uh, you know, they made this this Dual Sense whatever the special one. I forget what it's called, the Dual Sense Edge maybe or something. But and then you know now we're getting camo skins and different colored skins of these controllers printed off, and then you can get them at the store for ten bucks more. They're a little fancier. Um, and then I was like, man, I could get like a GI Joe controller. That'd be awesome. And then I was like, walked it back and thought, the reason they probably don't do this at all is because every single request that they get, they'd have to jump through all kinds of licensing hoops to print and sell to you. So, like, you can't, like, custom this shit with, like, your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! character or, like, your favorite, even if it's, like, not a Sony-owned property or if it is a Sony-owned property. Like, you can't do that. Like, so Sony can't print those and give them to you. Like, maybe you could have your initials put on it or something. But what's your opinion on this? Do you think that's the reason why they don't do this? I mean, I'm sure, like, they can't. They can't print stuff with licensing on it. Like that, that's not a thing that can happen. But what they should do is they should make a control, like a custom controller shop, like Xbox has, where you can literally go in there and you can order a DualSense, and all that they give you is they give you the ability to change what colors all the different pieces of plastic are on there. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe you could even get a decal, but it's like Sony owned product. It's like it's like a li- it's like something they have defined, not something that you get to select. You, like you get to custom graphic, make. Right. 
Yeah, it could be like, oh, like, oh, I want the the fucking sacred symbols all over the controller. Then that's an option for a skin, right? Or I want like a, I want it to say, you know, the la- I want like a, the Last of Us across the touchpad or something. Like you can do that based on like IP that they own, um, or even like Bungie or something. But like, dude, Microsoft makes a fucking killing on that custom controller store because like you go on there and you you're like. Uh, you make a custom controller. It has all the colors, all the yeah. sticks, or the whatever you want, and all this stuff. And they charge you like two hundred bucks for it. Two hundred. But dude, yeah, but it's awesome because you get the the fucking whatever controller you want. Like you like make a controller it up. that nobody yeah. else has, right? But they make it worth their while by charging you one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars for it. And dude, that I would be tempting, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you like make something like I, I would probably make something yeah, that looks I'd like make, a PS. This I'd is make awesome a controller. Color. Yeah, I'd need like, a, like, like I, a red and yellow controller or something. Be awesome. Yeah, like I wouldn't. It's not something I'm not going to have ten fucking controllers, but I would do one just to have like a cool, unique, interesting controller. That's something that I want. It's my color scheme or whatever. Yeah, but like I don't know. That I would mean, be dope. we're always wait. Like Sony is very much like Apple in that they're just like. No customization. Yeah. This is what you get, period. You get the white one, you get the black one. And, then, and now it's like, okay, after a while, we'll give you like the red one and the blue one. And the purple one and the teal one. And the purple one. But like, you got to wait for that. And then and it's we'll like, give it to you reluctantly. we'll make these really cool ones, but you can only get them if you buy the, the console edition with that yeah, game included. Yeah, I, Right, right. So I don't know. I mean, I like I said, I I am all about custom controllers. I think it would be so awesome if they had a store like Microsoft does, just to be able to make your own Dual Sense. Yeah. Um, shoot, even Dual Shock Fours. It would be cool if you could do that, and it would be even cheaper because Dual Shock Fours are probably a, a dime a dozen now. So <sighs> I don't I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of games where I kind of wish there's there's a lot of times that I wish I was still playing with a Dual Shock Four. I'll be completely honest with you. Not me. The, the dual sense is, in my opinion, the dual sense is just it's the ergonomically it it fucks with my hands. So, oh, and I, a lot of people have this problem. That's crazy. It's not just me. It's pretty common that people have issues with like finger pain and stuff because of the shape of the dual sense mm. and the size of it. So I think it's. I think people with bigger hands, hands, people with bigger hands, I don't think struggle with it as much. But, um, so. But anyway, that's a little bit of a digression. Well, that's shit. My opinion. That's a good conversation. Um, I appreciate your input on that. I, I would also like to see some sort of customization on the PlayStation Store somehow to create your fucking controller. And then create it and then be able to rotate it and look at it in 3D. That'd be fucking cool. Why not? Like you said, pay a little extra money for it. It'd be kind of neat. They make for nice birthday gifts or Christmas gifts. You know what I mean? Holiday gifts or something. Yeah, I mean, of- if you're gonna fucking, if you're gonna charge two hundred dollars for a for a essentially a pro controller, like why not? If you could also pay two hundred dollars, but instead of getting the pro version, you just get the regular DualSense, but it's the fucking custom job that you the want. Theme or layout. It's got the cool yeah. colors and shit. You know that would be awesome. And like you said, it'd be perfect gift because a lot of people might not want to buy that for themselves, but like a spouse might buy it for their. You know their significant other, or you know uh, friends or parents to kids or something like. I think that it's a. I think that it's kind of a cool thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm always to me that seems very consumer. It's a very consumer friendly thing to do, Mm. and I just wish that Sony would do a little bit more of this consumer friendly kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. All right. Next news point moving forward here on PS. This is awesome. A PlayStation podcast. We have, um, oh man, and I'm jacking up my notes here. Uh, the Witcher, The Witcher 3. This is an interesting twist that I didn't expect. There's going to be a PS5 disc version of The Witcher 3. It's getting a physical release next week, and I just think that's wild. It's crazy. It's hard to believe for me um, just because the game has been out forever. But then again, we've hit probably a new uh, a new generation of gamers that this can get into the hands of. And I, with TV series still going, even though Henry Cavill's not going to be in it season four onward – and the success that the Netflix show's having, and then with them announcing the Witcher remake for the first Witcher is going to be full open world, probably not a bad idea. And and you put it in a nice, fancy new PS5 case, dude, it's a fucking smart play. I, I know a lot of people are anti-physical discs, but this didn't even cross my mind that this would be a thing that existed. I was like, oh, it's just an upgrade for the PS4 version. It's fine. Or you can just buy the digital PS5 version if you want. But to put it on disc, this game was wildly successful. So I guess in hindsight, it makes absolute sense to do this. I haven't went back to it since the last time I talked about it on the show just because it got sucked into these other games. But God, The Witcher's fucking fantastic. It is so good. Um, Jake, any anything on that? Does that surprise you that they did this? Um... A little bit, I guess. I don't know. I mean, to me, it's... I don't know why anyone releases physical games at all anymore. Right. But I, the one thing I want to know, and if anyone buys this oh. and listens to the show, please write in. Does the disc have the fucking game on it? That's what I want to know. Or is it just a download code? Can you play it without the internet? That's what I want to know. Because I want to kind of keep track a little bit of this trend because there's going to be a point where regardless of whether or not you have the physical version, you still need the internet to play the fucking game. So it's uh, it's pretty pretty kind of interesting to think about. I wanna ask I wanna ask but, this about it. Because this is what I thought this is where I thought you were going. When we bought The Witcher three and you opened up that fucking physical copy, there was a thank you postcard from the studio. There were stickers of the Wolf School. There were uh, there was a download code for the game's entire soundtrack, um, and there was some other. They're not gonna. They're not gonna have any of that shit. And they're there was some other cool thing. And it was like, wow, that that alone made me want to buy it. When you told me it was awesome, when you opened that thing up, I was like, if this studio actually did all this cool shit, because with my releases, my albums and stuff, I always put in like little stickers and like try to do something kind of a personal touch to it. And it was just so cool that they had done that. I don't think I bought the physical copy of cyberpunk. And I would like to know what that came with just the regular cyberpunk game. If they, the studio grew exponentially when the Witcher three was successful. So I wonder if they're continuing to give little thank you notes and stuff in there. I doubt it. I, I think there would have been, I think there would have been news coverage of that had, because every game now has nothing in it. It's literally just a plastic box with a fucking disc in it. So mm. if if CD Projekt had put a bunch of shit in the physical edition, there would have been some kind of a news article or something that said, yeah. like, look at all the stuff I got. Because that was the thing about The Witcher. Is the regular like, Witcher fuck. game. Yeah, not, this, not the fucking uh, collector's edition, just the regular fucking PS4 
Witcher game. Yeah, you, you pick up the box and it's like five pounds because of all this shit that they put in there. There's like a, a map there's like in a there. map and a poster and all stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. I guarantee you that this version is not going to have any of that stuff. It's literally just going to be a new box that says PS5 on it and there's going to be nothing inside but the disc. I so hope you're maybe wrong, like a but you're probably maybe like right. an ad for another game. Might be an ad for Cyberpunk in there. <laughs> don't but forget like, to play Cyberpunk. Yeah, watch. So, I bet I there know. might be a Netflix thing. Like watch it on Netflix or something. Yeah, right. Could be. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> so so predictable. I hope we're both wrong on that though. I would love that they just fucking stuck to their guns and they continue to do that. Ah, uh, that was so nice when that happened. Um, moving on to the next news point. We are an hour end of the show at this point this is crazy what the hell we've been doing this whole time we've been talking about uh for listeners who are interested in forspoken there are some serious leaks on the internet so be on guard um the issue here is square enix did not send out review codes to the majority of outlets um only selected outlets and now there are gameplay leaks from some of those selected outlets they had early release codes um, so we talked at length, Jake, about our experience with the demo, the playable demo, which did get a patch. The demo got a patch, mind you. Um, but I don't think either of us were really sold on this game. And I'm really curious to see how this does when it releases on the 24th. So it's coming out this week. I'm really curious. I liked it. I mean, I liked it. I, I was interested in it. I just – the 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 – fucking character in the sidekick they didn't shut up the whole fucking time i was playing the yeah, game that was your big that part. was a problem i hated the other controls. than that I, th- I hated the combat controls the controls were kind of man they could have definitely done with some some uh you know remapping or whatever but i feel like the game felt kind of like a cool concept so i don't know we'll have to see it's it's not always a bad sign it could just be that square enix is trying to pinch pennies and they're they're not sending all these co- i doubt it's that or maybe it's it like, might just be that just like spoiled or something which is obviously too late for that because apparently the story is getting spoiled online right now so yeah i don't know what the deal is but i'm hoping that uh i'm hoping that it's good i mean i, I never want a game to be bad no so i mean i'm hoping that it's that it's good yeah yeah we'll i don't have to know. see when it comes out though Totally. And and I wanted to follow up real quick. And this is this is fan fucking tastic news. I wanted to follow up. Well, there was some discussion about uh Gran Turismo seven coming to PSVR two, if it was gonna be the whole game, parts of the game. It is in fact the entire game is going to be available on VR two. And uh the only exception is is that it will not feature the split screen racing. Okay. I believe, yeah, that, that makes goes sense. without saying. Like, right? Who wants that in VR? Um, but the online racing, the single player content, hundred percent VR two supported. This changes a lot. I think that is a is a, is a release for VR two. That's going to be huge. That's sick. I mean, that's going to be fucking awesome. Like I said, I really <laughs> hope they have a demo for this because I this these games are always like a try before you buy kind of thing for me. Mm. I'm just racing games. I like them, but I like them. It's I have a very. I have to get. I don't know. I need a demo. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I, I want to know that it's going to really put its hooks into me before I spend seventy dollars on this game, mm. just to play it in VR. Because I I know that this all by all accounts all the preview coverage of VR two says that the VR two unit is awesome, 
And so both in comfort and in performance and immersion. So I am super stoked to play VR2. But the point of the matter is, is that no matter how good it is, it's not going to be my preferred platform of gaming. Yeah. So I'm going to want to play traditionally more than I'm going to want to play VR. So for me to want to spend – I'm not going to probably want to play Gran Turismo 7 traditionally. So right. am I going to want to pay $70 for a VR game? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'd like to try it. I just I just know that the last time I played Gran Turismo, I was able to find my car and race it. And that's the old uh, 09 Toyota Yaris. And uh, – all I want to know is can I spend $70 to virtually race my my car on a racetrack? <laughs> That's all I want. They probably don't they probably don't have the Yaris in it anymore. Uh, I know. They probably they might. They might I have no idea. That would be hilarious if they did. Played by Ken, I think you have this game. Can you tell me if the 2009 or any version of the Yaris hatchback is available in Gran Turismo 7? Because if it is, I might pay $70 to drive the, the car that I own race. in real life. <laughs> to drive the car I own in real life in a video game. <laughs> so uh, I'm just uh, – it would be really fun though. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, moving forward, this next one's kind of cool. I am excited about that. Um, more VR news obviously uh, because we're getting closer and closer to the release of the, of the VR unit. Pavlov. Which is apparently one of the most, if not the most, played VR shooter on 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 a computer on PC has been announced as coming to PSVR two. Uh, the game allows players to even drive a tank at some point. You can disarm bombs. Um, you can use all kinds of different gunplay, different gun style guns you can get. Uh, it even shows one player be- going prone. Um, I don't know how this works in VR, but it looks wild. And the game appears not to be a PvP shooter, but a co-op shooter in which you're taking out zombies in different eras of different wars. So I don't know uh, if you are part of an anti-zombie team during these major conflicts in U.S. history and you're just going in to take out zombies and the war is happening around you or what's going on. But to play a game in VR, a shooter in co-op, where it's like, "Hey, grab that corner. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go clear this room. You clear that room." That sounds awesome, actually, to me. And you fight bots, so it- so I'm I'm watching a trailer on Steam for Pavlov VR, and I don't see zombies anywhere. So I don't. This is what know it where says. That comes from. Let me. That came from the Push Square article. Let me look it up now. Pavlov. I mean, maybe maybe there maybe there's a new version of the game because it's still an early access on Steam. So it's got a nine out of ten on Steam, a four and a half out of five on MetaQuest. I guess that they did port this game um, for a low lower res version on some of these. So I want to look into. It says. Um, Pavlov VR on Steam. It says Pavlov is a multiplayer shooter in VR with heavy focus on community features, realistic reloading features, and fast-paced combat as part of the core experience. Play the number one most popular VR shooter on PC today. It's in early access, like you said, Jake. Um, it says Pavlov is a multiplayer shooter in VR with heavy focus on community set in both modern and World War II eras. You can choose a variety of weapons for the game how you want it. Community hosted, dedicated servers, quick starting, developing, 
uh, hosted by Lobby System, Search and Destroy, Deathmatch, King... Oh, there is Deathmatch. King of the Hill in gun game game modes. Multi-crew, realistically operated tanks. So being in a tank with multiple people in real... Like in VR would be fun. Like someone's the gunner, somebody's the, the cannon guy, someone's driving yeah. it. That'd be fucking dope. Um, it says bots, offline mode, a practice range, kill house, proximity voice chat, radio communication, custom map support with mod kit. This is for the Steam version. Custom game mode support and BH haptics. It doesn't say anything about zombies. Go to the Push Square article about it. I didn't put a link on there, but it definitely talks about zombies, which is wild. Maybe there's a maybe there's a new mode or something. Yeah. Uh, well, there's because because there, I mean there are there are like I'm looking at the Steam reviews and there are comments in here about zombies. So it there must be like a mode or something like Call of Duty or something like that. Um, I just love some of these. It's an some update of these apparently. Men. The zombies isn't – how do you play Pavlov zombies? The zombies in VR. Right. So it must be an update that they offered. Hmm. Um, interesting. But yeah, you can also uh, fire 50 caliber weapons in the game, which is kind of interesting. So yeah, it's – I just want to – so cool. here's what I want to know because we haven't heard yet unless unless we have and I just don't remember. Is there a gun peripheral for VR2 yet? Even if it's just something you attach the the controllers to, I don't know. I don't know if there is, but what I can tell you is this: the way that those new controllers appear to work, and while it would be nice to have like a buttstock against your arm and stuff, I think that holding them like this and just holding your arms like this and doing this motion or whatever. Um, should be pretty pretty accurate because you're going to be able to move with a thumb trigger right already because you got the thumb you got the trigger the analogs on your thumbs is an option mm-hmm. and you got like a trigger finger here or here so maybe you move with this one and then you just trigger maybe you don't need the thing that's why they made the thing to begin with because there was no way to do locomotion with the move controllers and aim at the same time um you know so I think well, having, the aim, the, the, well they had the 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 they had the aim controller yeah. for PS the first for PSVR, far and far that had yeah yeah and that had a stick on the rear grip that you could use to move around but it was just you had a lot more stability with the the controllers connected together so that you could do the aiming a little bit I don't know I, I I'm just curious about that I'm not sure if if it would be better or worse or not I don't know. But it's just something that I always find kind of interesting. It might be kind of hard to do the uh, the reload function if you have your two controllers kind of stuck together. If you have to like move the front controller to reload the weapon or whatever. That's a good point. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to just try it and see because this, this is the type of game that seems like it would be really fun. Especially if you can play with friends or whatever. Um, Says the anti-multiplayer dude. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Dude, VR is a whole different thing, and I'm not (laughs) saying that I'm going to get down with it, but if I – it might be something that I'm – Dude, if you and I can jump in a fucking tank together, that would be so much fun. Like (laughs) – <laughs> Let, let's get some real world skills before World War Three happens. Let's let's fucking learn how to drive a fucking tank. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. But that game looks cool. I'm glad that's coming to VR2. There's been a – the list of launch games for VR2 has just grown and grown and grown since the last time we talked about it. Maybe we'll bring it up in February and go over the games again one more time. 
I did see a – we won't go into it now, but I, I don't know where it is. But I did see a, um, a graphic that was like 30-plus confirmed launch games for VR2, and it showed like all of these games. And one of them was Thumper, just saying. Oh, really? So, like the, the original Thumper, not a Thumper 2. But it's going to work? But they are porting it to VR2, which is cool. Oh, I hope that comes with a free upgrade, man. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd jump back in Thumper for sure. That game is so good. I wanted to platinum yeah. that game so bad. It's just not ever going to happen. But that It's game, real hard. That game is great. Um, well, here's another question then. Because you didn't use move controllers with Thumper. So I wonder if you can use the DualSense controller with a VR headset. Or if you if you're completely, I'm sure you can. I don't know. I'm they sure you, I'm sure you can that. use a controller. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. I mean, I think that the VR controllers are the definitive way to do it. But I think that they probably support the dual sense. You would think for a game like Thumper, you would have to. Yeah, I'm sure there are games like even if you think about like Gran Turismo, you have to be able to use something other than the fucking hand. The yeah, you got to use a controller for that or a force feedback fucking wheel, dude. It's just fucking pedals. Yeah. I want a stick shift. I want it all, dude. Just put me in a fucking Yaris. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> of all cars. Oh, shit. The clown car. All right. Let's uh, – so this next one is kind of interesting. We, we've talked a bit – I've been talking about Kojima for a bit because I'm, I was all big on Death Stranding. Hideo, Hideo Kojima, the dude who's responsible for Metal Gear separated from Konami or Konami, however you want to pronounce it a while back and he never as far as I'm concerned never finished the last Metal Gear game um, we got a, a an incomplete version of that game and that's what Konami decided to release um, the story was kind of left open but there there are rumors swirling right now about the possibility of a Metal Gear resurgence coming in the weeks to follow the reason this is is that the voice actor for Raiden one of the characters in Metal Gear games also uh, in Metal Gear Rising Responded to a tweet just recently, quote, that said, quote, stay tuned for things to be announced in the coming weeks, end quote, when someone asked about Metal Gear. So there are some rumors. This is just the rumor mill here. Whether this is just in celebration of Metal Gear Rising turning 10 years old or whether it is uh, the anniversary, you know, for that anniversary or maybe Konami is, is going to port all these Metal Gear games to PS5. PS4, who knows what they're going to do. But, I mean, they have left so much money on the table by not doing anything with Metal Gear worthwhile. And this goes to goes to show about the quality of game that Hideo Kojima can churn out with his creative imagination. And uh, I'm not sure that everyone even fully understands what happened after the second Metal Gear. Like, if anyone even follows the story completely, it's so fucking wild. But... He's a brilliant mind, and he made really cool games, and his games are very identifiable. Like, even the motions and stuff. Like, there's a scene in Death Stranding that was right out of Metal Gear where, like, if you complete one of the training missions of how to use a new gun, Norman Reedus' character walks onto this platform, and it just kind of slowly crops in on him, and he and he goes like this. He goes... <laughs> and it's, like, so fucking Metal Gear. Like, he gives, like, a thumbs up, but it's very, like, fucking strong and, like... <laughs> it's, like, it's so, like... Kojima, he does that weird shit in all of his games, and it's like a Metal Gear thing. There's a lot of things. So if Metal Gear is coming back, um, don't re-release five. 
finish it and then give it to us. Like, don't re-release it as is. That'd be awesome, but I think that's kind of pie in the sky. I, I could definitely see them maybe re-releasing Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Mm-hmm. I've heard people really like that game. I never, I only played like it briefly. I think there was a demo for it or something on PS3. But uh, I've heard people really liked it, so maybe they're going to re-release that. I don't know. It was a it could PS3 be interesting. game, I think. Yeah, I bought it. I bought it, yeah. and I think I beat it. Hmm. It was interesting. Nice. It was very, uh, very much an action game. It was a little bit different than like your Metal Gear games, but it was cool. You play Raiden the whole time, I believe. So, which is like the ninja, the cyber ninja from Metal Gear. Very, very awesome. Next news point. <clears throat> we have a little bit of info about Hogwarts Legacy. Now, Jake, this isn't a spoiler, but we have some information that leaked. It's not spoiler in Sar's story or anything like that. Hogwarts Legacy had a minor leak. It was something to do with an art book that came out um, Mm -hmm. that detailed that the game to complete would be about 35 hours, but to be a completionist with the game, it would be about 70 hours. And then it also somehow indicated or inferred or straight out said that the game is going to have a 30 frames per second mode and a 60 FPS mode. So everybody can chill the fuck out. It's going to be able to be played at 60 frames per second, which is nice. So... They already kind of announced the frame rate thing, mm-hmm. and it's 30 frames in fidelity mode and a targeted 60 frames in performance mode. So, which means that it'll be 60 frames most of the time with some occasional dips here and there, depending on, you know, environment or whatever's going on or whatever. Um, I don't know how you can, how you can possibly estimate game length based on a fucking art book unless the art book literally says the game takes about 35 hours to beat and 70 hours if you want to be a completionist (laughs) but um i don't know it it, but to me i mean that that length is is pretty good i don't want anything longer than that so I, i i think i'm happy with with what they're saying here in terms of length because like i said that comes out the 10th assuming i get it get on it right away couple weeks after that, three weeks after that, or two weeks after that is when VR comes out. So I'm going to be splitting my time with VR a little bit. So, um, you know, that's a, I think that's an approachable game for what they're offering. 100%. Yeah. I like it. I like what I've seen. The, the next news point also is about frames per second and uh, how games are running. And what I didn't realize before we jump right into this, this is about Atomic Heart. That game that's coming out soon, a first-person shooter kind of style game. Um, what I didn't realize, I read somewhere that this this is going to be kind of an open-world game. And that kind of struck me as strange. I read somewhere that you know it's got an open-world format. And a lot of that is kind of explained about the graphical resolution of the game. So it's scheduled to release on February 21st. This game, Jake, to both you and I, looks cool. Um I think it's going to do well. It doesn't have a ton of coverage right now. I think the people who know and who seem attracted to the art style and what's going on in this game have been talking about it. But I don't think major, uh, you know, games media companies are really all over this thing. But whether it's because of the, I mean, the, IGN, IGN just did a big preview. Oh, of I didn't realize that. And I, I mean, I watched a little bit of it, and they basically said that it boils down to like 
there's like five different areas. Okay. And I think maybe those areas are a little bit more open. So it's kind of got a little bit of like a Sandbox-y dishonored kind of. style thing where it's – or like a – I guess you could say arcane because Deathloop was like this too where it's like you've got these different areas that you go to as part of the game. And then when you're mm-hmm. there, you kind of have your run of the place. Yeah. You do what you got to do to get where you need to go. But um, I don't know. I think the game looks really interesting. I'll probably check it out yeah. whenever it launches just to see. Uh, but um, I don't know. We'll have to see how. Uh, I think the, the the preview coverage has been relatively positive on it, so we'll just have to see what the final yeah. game looks like. And what you're saying is going to play right into the news point because news point is that they are doing some interesting things to make sure they maintain 60 frames per second in this game. So they have a scaling graphical system that is actually going to scale down the graphics to keep it at 60 frames per second. Um, I can see this working so long as there's like a cap that it won't allow the graphics to be reduced to past a certain point, right? Like you can reduce them to a certain point, but could you imagine a game that's so graphically intense that like when you hit some areas, like it just turns into polygons because <laughs> like, but it runs really good and then it slowly builds. I'm, not sh- I'm sure more. they're, I'm sure they're not going to like turn it into Netflix <laughs> where it's like you're start watching it and then all of a sudden it's so fucking pixelated. You can't see anything, yeah. but that would actually honestly would be a really cool game mechanic if you did it on purpose in a game, like like if you could do something like that to limit vision or stuff, that would be actually a pretty cool idea. But so yeah. so they they uh, the, an article on Pushquare. I'm just going to quote it directly because I'm not good at explaining this stuff. This is straight from Pushquare.com. It says the graphical resolution of Atomic Heart will be changed on the fly to ensure it always runs at 60 frames per second. Developer Mundfish has revealed, responding to a fan on Twitter, the team says that. Inside, quote-unquote, dungeons, the game will run at 4K60. When you leave those closed environments for the open world, though, the resolution changes to be more dynamic, meaning it can't always guarantee a native 4K output. This feature only applies to the PS5 version. So I like what they're thinking here. Make it beautiful in 60 when you can, but don't ever sacrifice FPS for fidelity and just let the game scale when it needs to. But just keep, yeah. you know what I mean? Make make FPS the priority and have it be beautiful where you can do it. And then just, you know, in the open world stuff, you know, maybe dial it back a little bit. You know, if the game can just um, intrinsically know how to display so that you can get a nice 60 and get all the benefits of the hardware when you can make it work. Awesome. And when, when you can't, just dial it back so we don't have to keep flipping the slider on our game setting menu. I like this idea. Yeah, I think that that's uh, – it's not an uncommon practice, but um, I think it really depends on the the. – I don't know if we know kind of the, the depth at which they're doing this. Mm-hmm. If it's just resolution scaling, I think that's relatively common for things like performance modes. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that – as long as the frame rate stays good, I don't really give a shit what it looks like. As long as it doesn't look like you said, like it's not pixelated, looks fucking terrible. You step outside and of, you can't make out anything. It's just like what the I fuck? mean, the game's already stylistic in its look, mm-hmm. so it's not like it's photorealistic. You don't have to have these like you know eight K textures and shit like that, right? So I'm totally okay with them up and downing the resolution as long as it never drops under 1080p. I think it's fine. Yeah. If it's the, and if it most of the time stays like around fourteen forty p or whatever, I think that's that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, 
savvy enough to understand the way that ray tracing and stuff works. But could you also implement, like, for instance, like you go into like one of these dungeons, as they call it, where it's a little more enclosed and they have more resources to pull from to make the fidelity better on the fly. Like I said earlier, like intrinsically, like just built into baked into the game. Can you have it use ray tracing and then take it out when the system can't support it without having to flip a switch? Or is that something um, way more difficult to do? I honestly don't know. To be honest, I, like it, it could be something that's challenging just because I, I've only ever seen it uh, be something that you have to change in a menu, right? So it's hard to say. I mean, it would be cool if they could dynamically do that, but it may be a problem because it actively changes things in the lighting engine, not necessarily just how many pixels are displayed. Right. So it could be it could be more difficult than you think. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's probably difficult, but that would be like the best of both worlds, right? Just instead of having all these fucking options, just like give me 60 frames per second and make it look as good as possible no matter where I'm at in the game. And just you guys tell yeah. me instead of me picking. Like you just fucking make it look as good as it possibly can look at 60 no matter where I'm at. Like sometimes it might look a little better, sometimes it might look a little worse. But don't sacrifice the 60 frames per second. And having a mode that does that would be fucking awesome. So I don't know. That's really pushing the resources in the in the console to the limit, right? That would be the definition of that. But – there's got to be a way to do that dynamically, and if if these developers can continue, to, and they, they say in the the tweet that this feature only applies to the PS5 version. I don't know if that's because the PS5 struggles or if PS5 is more flexible in being able to allow this. Maybe it's only required for the PS5 version because everything else can run at 60 frames at 4K with no problem, but they have to adapt for the PS5 because it's not as good. Or is it that everyone else is going to suffer? But the PS5, they were able to work in this uh, this fucking loophole thing that, that we can get the best of both worlds. I don't know. They didn't explain it. It's curious. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's curious. All right. Last interesting story. And I, uh, I am so confused about this. And we've talked about this game. And it completely flew off my radar. I forgot about it. Push Square had this ridiculous article, and I was like, shit, what happened to that? That game, Little Devil Inside, looked fucking rad. And here's the gist. Uh, where is it? It just disappeared. It's off the face of the earth. What the hell happened? Push Square has this link, and they, they kind of like bring it up. And I was like, man, yeah, I completely, with all the game announcements, I forgot about this game. And this game was actually in a state of play for, for Sony in October 2021. And it had an announced 2022 release window. The developer hmm. Neostream have been contacted by Push Square. And it's been 14 months since they've heard, anybody's heard anything about this game. And uh, there have been no news drops. There's been no new trailers. There's been no anything. And uh, they didn't respond to the inquiries from Push Square. And uh, it's been, quote unquote, radio silence from the studio. Apparently, though, this isn't new. This game, Little Devil Inside, started as a Kickstarter game and was fully funded in 2015. Uh, 
So, and it was fully funded to be a PS4 title. So they're at the very least six years into the development of this game. Um, but the silence is concerning. This game looked really good, but we have learned in the video game industry that looks can be deceiving. And I feel bad for anybody who kickstarted this fucking thing eight years ago. Um, so Yeah, it's wild. What do you think is going on with this? Because the trailer was rad. And it looked like they had their shit together. And Sony had it on a state of play. But there's been nothing about it for, for 14 it's, months. This is one of those games where I'm just writing it off, throwing it in the fucking closet. <laughs> and then when, if it comes out, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know what I mean? It, like, cause like you said, I think it looks cool, but it's kind of like on PS4. You remember that game deep down? Yeah, dude. Never came out. Even though they showed shit about it multiple times. I'm not saying this is as bad as that, but it's been a long fucking time. So either this is like a shit or get on off the pot kind of thing. But for me, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I just every time I, I forget about this game, every time it comes up, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that game. So like I don't even really look into it too much because this game's either going to come out or it's not. And I... It's proven to me that there's no point in getting excited for it because it could it could be another year before we hear about this game again. So Dude, just go just go to neostream.com real quick. Go to neostream.com. And the graphics of this game just look fucking dope. It looks so cool. But it just says on the website and this is probably how it's been forever. It says it has like the the Windows logo PlayStation, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. It says, thank you, everyone, for your valuable contributions. In time, this website will be updated with info from the development team as well as general updates on what's happening inside the team. Prior to release, we will reconfirm your details and ask everyone to choose their preferred platform of your choice. This is for the Kickstarters, clearly, everyone who backed this game. Um, Yeah. But if you scroll down, there's like a pre-alpha trailer – but I don't I don't understand what happened here. What happens if you go to the Kickstarter page? Like it's, it probably doesn't exist anymore. There's there's an update I mean, section that says platform announcement, June of twenty twenty. Thank you all for your support and comments and responses to Little Devil Inside being included in the PlayStation PS five reveal event yesterday. We're being flooded with inquiries and take care in effort to address all situations without affecting the rest of development. It says, with the partnership uh, in place with PlayStation, Little Devil Inside will be coming to the PS5 as PlayStation timed exclusive, which means that the game will be available only on PlayStation 5 and other consoles for a limited time, after which it will be available on other consoles. Unfortunately, we are not able to disclose the actual term of the exclusivity yet. As many of you, this is June of 2009, whatever 2020 and it says um, as many of you know we originally hoped for an all-platform concurrent release but for many reasons which we learned the hard way this was just not possible we also received direct inquiries where many of you are confused about how this affects the release for the pc this move does not affect our plans to release for pc and we will do our very best release for pc at the same time as ps5 so to clarify release for ps5 ps4 and pc is our top priority with other console platforms to follow after the exclusivity period expires. 
We'll be announcing fur- future further plans and details as they become unlocked. And it says uh, there are many voices surrounding this decision, and we sincerely apologize to everyone affected, especially those who pledged in the belief that it will come to the platform of their preference concurrently. We will address all of them and handle each matter the best way we possibly can. Uh, with the reveal, the public response we're receiving is overwhelming, to say the least. The partnership and all the supportive voices has immensely amplified the level of energy within the team, and all of us are pumped to soldier on with a sense of duty that now goes far beyond just fulfilling our personal dreams. And it says on another note, we've made a response to this on our Facebook page. Um, uh, it says on another note, just like to address an issue that has come to our attention in the last 24 hours regarding a sensitive matter on the design of a particular character that was shown in the showcase trailer at the reveal event. We've made a response to this on our Facebook page. Not sure all of you are aware of it. So you can check it out. Once again, thank you for everything. There was a response. Wasn't there a, there was a character that, that maybe was this the one that, that had like tribal uh, paint or something and it caused a big, a big thing. Um, their Facebook page, the last update. People was, are always, people are always fucking mad about something. June, I, I can't even remember what this is about. June of 2020 was the last uh, Facebook update, so it's been, it's been a good uh, year and a half since anybody's heard from the studio, and it just disappeared. It was a Kickstarter staff pick. It sounds like people who backed it, who were Xbox gamers, were told initially when they pledged that they could pick the platform that they could get the game on. And then they signed an exclusivity time exclusivity deal with Sony locking those people out of the, of the, of the date, the game drops. And that probably caused a lot of uh, friction. Um, you know, dust was probably kicked up there. I don't know, man. It's just, this game looks so fucking cool. And it sounds like the developer now is in over their fucking heads, even though they partner with Sony. So maybe Sony is trying to buy the rights or something. Who knows? Uh, it's it's in quote unquote as far as I'm concerned a developmental hell situation. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a shame. It looks awesome. It is a shame. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Little Devil Inside. If you were excited for that, like I was, I completely forgot about it, how excited I was about it. Um, yeah, not going to happen until we hear otherwise. Uh, new games coming out. Not a lot, but some good ones. Um, and I just wanted to uh, share them with you like we always do. First Spoken, January 24th. World War Z Aftermath DLC um, coming January 24th. We talked about that on a show earlier. Uh, previous show, January 26th, Wonder Boy Anniversary Collection. And then January 27th, we're getting Dead Space remake. So nice little week. Um, not too many options, not too few. And uh, that's about it for the show today. I appreciate you guys all tuning in. Jake, as always, do you have anything, anything at all you'd like to share with our listeners before you sign off? Nope. I got work to do. So by work, I mean housework, not uh, not work work. That comes tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So I'm ready to roll. All right. Well, make sure you watch The Last of Us tonight, and we'll talk about it mm-hmm. tomorrow on our uh New YouTube series, P.S. This is The Last of Us. Make sure you tune in, listeners. So, like Neptunia Reverse, Nightmare Reaper, and Ninja Gaiden Sigma. P.S. P.S. This is awesome. This is awesome.